because at the end of the day, we love building, but when it gets to the point where we've put so much pressure on ourselves to meet this specific deadline and we haven't slept in three days, it's no longer fun. It's like, what are we doing? This is not fun, you know? Introducing Astra HP, the newest high-performance innovation in cutting-edge technology from bits and bits. Let me tell you what's new about it. It's incredibly thin, measuring at just 0.3 microns. It's also tougher than ever with an impressive 5,000 Vickers hardness, and it's specially designed to reduce friction and heat buildup, leading to cleaner cuts and longer tool life. Available now on all their newest spiral CNC bits and router bits. So if you want to check it out yourself, go to bitsbits.com. That's B-I-T-S, B-I-T-S dot com. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Jay and Deb Lopez, owners of Together We Build. Jay and Deb are a married couple, but also business partners in Together We Build. And just like their name suggests, they build together. Not just the business, but the furniture as well. And even though the company has grown over the years and they've grown their team around them to help with demand, at the core of the business, it is still both of them working side by side, building quality furniture that they feel good about putting their names on. So follow along as we talk about understanding the customer you want to work for, managing a company as a couple, how to break down your pricing to keep yourself safe, and much more. So let's start the episode and hear about Jay and Deb's story in their own words. All right, you, you want to start? I'll, I'll start. You tell yours. Yeah. <laughs> so growing up, I was in shop in, in high school. That's actually where we met in high school mm-hmm. in Staten Island. And um, I was in, in shop. We, were, we actually met in uh, graphic arts, graphic arts mm-hmm. uh, but I had a wood shop and graphic arts. And I just loved it naturally because my father would never hire anyone to do anything. He always wanted to do the work himself. And he was very talented. He was very able to take on a project from building a cabinet in our home to literally sledgehammering the whole driveway. So I learned a lot through that process. And uh, since he was very detailed, he taught me how to look for quality and how to make sure that your work was something that you could be proud of. So I was really doing it from a young age. And then when we got married, we always kind of had side jobs. Mm -hmm. We always had jobs that we owned or companies that we owned on the side, even though I was in finance for 20 years. I started out in 2011 doing restaurants, building them out. Uh, started out with a couple of guys and our first job happened to be a restaurant that had a lot of interior work that needed to be done. And uh, when we went to that interview, it was our first interview when we opened the company. And we went to that and I remember a a mentor of mine uh, telling me, he said, listen, you know, I think you're talented. You know, you can, you'll definitely be successful here. He said, but you're not going to get thirty thousand dollar jobs you know you'll get the five thousand dollar jobs up front the thousand dollar jobs you've just got to determine can you live on that for a little while and i left that and i was like okay but i might be able to get the thirty thousand dollar jobs you know i can so that first interview was a thirty five thousand dollar job and uh i left that interview saying now what you know now, now what do we do so we started doing restaurants and stores 
from that. And then uh, you could you could continue. Go ahead. <laughs> well, my story, <laughs> I actually worked with, we've always been very artsy, both of us. But when the kids were grown, they were older, and I was just figuring out things my friend who owns a design company asked me to help her out. My dad is a carpenter. He grew up, you know, I grew up with him building stuff all the time as well. So when we bought our house, we did, we were the weekend warriors, always doing home improvements and projects ourselves. So when my friend asked me to help her out, she's like, I need some help on this job. Like, do you know how to hang a picture? I'm like, yeah, I could hang a picture. I could do that, you know? So it started like that. And I started working with her and I was her carpenter, you know? So she had asked Jay if he could do a built-in for this one house. He's like, you want to help me out? I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. So we're in the shop and we just had so much fun building this cabinet together. So it was literally like Jay said to me, that was awesome. He's like, you want to do this together? And I was like, yeah, that was fun. And the next thing I knew, he had a logo, he had an Instagram <laughs> page, and we were together, we built and, and we just literally started. I joke, and, I, when I turned 50, I reinvented myself. So now I'm a full blown uh, cabinet maker. <laughs> I can tell that you love what you do. And you really put your all into it. You You respect the idea of building furniture and you respect the process and you have the skills to back it up. So I want to actually just get into the meat of a cabinet shop and what you're doing, because you've done this for a while and, yeah. and you know your stuff. I want to talk about bringing in clients because end of the day, that's how we're all making a living and able to talk about having a furniture company because the clients are who are paying us to be doing all this. So yeah. I want to talk about once a client comes in the door and you have a very good sense of pricing for your work. You've been doing this for a while. Like we talked about, you do high-end pieces. So you know your pricing, but you also have a no-charge consult when people come in. And as anyone who's done this before knows that that's a great way to get people in the door. People don't want to start paying before they know you, before they know what they want to be doing. Yes. But it also becomes very murky as you move forward. And when does that no charge end? And when does that now we're doing design work? Now we're actually working together and the clock starts on paying. So where do you draw the line with a new client from? this is a free consult to now we are charging you for this. So we've actually, <laughs> we, we've just adjusted that over the yeah. past couple of years. So we, we love going to, uh, to meet different people and, and people's homes and um, seeing the, the project. So we don't mind doing a, a free consult, but we've always been extremely busy people. So you know, we're from New York. So, you know, what we could do in a minute, you know, you know, most people can't do it in an hour. So we're, we're in and out, in and out, in and out. So it doesn't bother us to do a free consult. We usually will make that last uh, about an hour. And after, uh, if we're in there for longer than an hour, cause I talk a lot as you'll, you'll see, um, start nudging. Yeah. She'll start nudging me and uh, okay. We, go. you know, we've got to go. So we do, we do put a cap on that, but when we're in there, we don't put a cap on what we'll share with the client. We don't put a cap on sharing an idea where, where you know, we don't know what we want to do on this wall, but we know we want to do something. 
we love interacting with a client and saying, oh man, I could see this here. You could do this, you could do that. And we'll ask certain questions to find out what their goal is. And if they started out with no idea at the end of that conversation, they have something that they want to do. I don't have a problem with leaving them with that, even if they don't go with us. But after that process, yeah, and that's, that's happened. Somebody, we give, give them the whole idea and they love it and they end up saying, well, we're going to kind of do it ourselves and that's okay. That's fine. We we took an hour, we met some new people and it was an hour of our time. Because that, that has actually, Mm -hmm. it has turned into a a callback on another project where, you know, Mm -hmm. they've said we did that one, but you know, we're, we're really not experienced enough to do this. Or I have a friend that wants to do their own, but they, they're not like us. They want to, they want to use you. So it's, it's definitely turned over some clients to us. Mm -hmm. But after that process, what we say is, okay, we'll go back uh, to the shop and uh, we'll we'll come up with a, a, you know, a price on what we think. We'll ask them certain questions. What kind of wood do you want to use? Do you want it painted? Do you want it stained? So on and so forth. All the, the basic questions come up with a price and send that to them. And 90% of the time, the person will say, you know, can you send me a, a drawing for, you know, for an idea? That's, that's when, that's when we say, okay, yeah. we can, but there's a, a charge for that. If you go with us, that's just built into the, the price of the cabinet. If not, you're free to take that design, you know, and, and either use it. someone else mm-hmm. or, or, you know, do it yourself. But we didn't get cheated. We didn't have somebody steal something from us and waste our time. You know, we've, yeah. we've put a, we've put a value on our time by saying, we could do this, but it's going to cost this amount of money. Yeah. And um, that's how we can secure not feeling you know, like we got cheated. Talking about putting value on time, which is what this industry is about, let's talk about your pricing and let's talk about how your, your pricing for all the different projects you do, the standalone furniture, the custom built-ins, the full renovations. Where does your pricing come down on all of those things? I guess we, we take every project as it comes. Um, I've asked so many uh, cabinet makers and furniture makers, how do you price your work? How do you do this? And, you know, as you know, every, every job is different. Every client is different. You know, if I'm pricing in New York or Greenwich, it's different than if I'm pricing, you know, uh, further up, up North. So, uh, you know, Trumbull and, and, and Stratford and, and Milford. So, there's not a draft. Sometimes there's not a drastic difference. Other times there is, but um, we'll take a, a basic um, standard. Okay. We've got uh, our supplies. We know we want to make an hour regardless whether it's Greenwich or, or Milford. We'll take a, a, you know, a standard right there. Okay. So we want to make this much money an hour. We'll decide, okay, it'll take us this many hours to do what we need to do. Then we've got install, we've got travel, and we've got the type of woods that they want to use. Our quality is never going to change. So it doesn't matter. You know, I've, we've had clients say, well, can you use melamine or something, you know, something like that? Well, not if we don't think, you know, the job is going to be at the quality that we want it when we produce. We're not going to make something cheaper because someone doesn't have it in, in their budget. And we're fine with even going into Greenwich and, and someone telling me uh, your, your, your price is too high. It's just not in our budget. If they don't, if they have a budget and they don't want to spend more than that, the client I don't want is the person that says they have it, they can put it out and they just don't, they want something cheaper. They want to knock you down on price. So we've 
found that uh, we know how to locate those particular clients, the clients that are going to value our work, value our quality and value our time. And when we give a price, I don't mind if someone says, is there any wiggle room on that? Um, I do mind if someone says, well, that's kind of expensive. You'll have to come down on it. And I'll, I'll tell them, well, okay, um, I'll call you back. You know, <laughs> that's it. So it's really, does the client value our time? When you get a job, a client comes, they say yes, and you start working together. Your percentage is 60% of the project up front. Is there a reason you do that over 50%? Yes. So we break it up where it's 60% up front. And then two weeks prior, we collect another 25%. And then on delivery, you know, when we're there, we get there to deliver the project, not at the end of the project, but when we deliver that project, um, we want the, the rest of the balance. And that is only because we've had one experience where we lost $5,000 because at the, at the beginning of the project, we had discussed, okay, I know you want certain additions to this, but you don't know what they are right now. So we're going to give you a price and we'll tally that up at the end. And when we did tally that up at the end, it was our fault. We didn't, you know, we did not send confirmation emails on everything. And um, at the end of it, the person forgot that they said, you know, oh, it's going to be different. And instead of really creating a client that was going to be upset with us, we said, okay, we want you to have the kitchen that you that you have. So kind of realized, you know, that's that's our fault, that it's our business. We should have been more thorough with you know, confirming those emails and confirming everything that we're adding in. And um, so we took the hit. So now uh, we have a certain process where this is, this is how we want to collect. And we say that up front. Um, yeah, we learned how important communication was yeah. with the client. And also just to add collecting the 60% is we use that to buy supplies, to start with supplies, but we also need we to get that. paid. We yeah. also need to live on that. Because we realized when we, in the beginning, when we were collecting money from a client, we would buy supplies and we'd still have three or four weeks that we're building this We and we were running out of money. And we said, okay, we need to figure out a better way to collect. And so, and we did have one time where somebody changed their mind on a project, which was fine. You don't want to do it anymore, but now we bought those supplies, you know, right. so we have that wood. So we had, you know, a little bit of wiggle room to, to return money to them, but we also had to charge them for the supplies already purchased. So it's just different things like that, that we learned how to collect deposits and, and split up our pricing that worked for our right. lifestyle. So you, you asked specifically of. about the 60%. And the reason we broke it up that way, we tried to think if we get a client that turns out to be uh, a client that is not working out and, and they're, they're um, holding back payment. So at the, at, the, uh, at the end of the project, if I deliver and the client says, I don't have my checkbook or, you know, do you mind if I pay you tomorrow? I'm never going to say, no, no, you know, I need it right now. I'm never, we're never that uh, stringent with a, with a client. And that has happened. It's happened plenty of times where they paid us at the end. But in the case where uh, the client says, can I give you the money in a week? 
because I just don't have it right now. Okay, that's no problem. We'll be done in a week. That's great. But then at the end of that week, that client says, you know what? I just don't have it. And that becomes a problem. The reason we collect those payments in those percentages is because at the end, if that client becomes a problem, we've taken a minimal hit, not 50%, not 20%, not 30%. So, you know, if if there's a problem, which we really have not had, no, thank God, had really but nice clients. if we do, you know, because we've got to think if I take a 50% hit, my house is not running the way it, it should or needs to. So um, at the end, we take a minimal hit and if we have to, we suck it up or, you know, we, we push further with that. You're booked out for months and you have clients that you have to say, we want to work with you, but you're going to have to wait because you have a lot of other clients that you're working with. And you've been doing this since 2011 and you've yeah. built up a reputation and now people know you as the go-to if they need any type of built-in or furniture. But it wasn't always like that. When you were starting, how were you getting your name out there and how were you getting the types of clients that you wanted instead of just yes. throwing a wide net and getting everyone coming in the door? That was a lot of work, a lot of work uh, on the back end as far as marketing. So when we started out, um, we had a marketing background. So we were able to target uh, the people or go after the people that we knew we wanted to, to work with and work for. So uh, we targeted designers, uh, other contractors, other builders that would bring us regular work. Our target was always the, the single homeowner, but that was more word of mouth, which, you know, as you said before, it, that's what everybody, you know, uh, kind of does and it, it works and then it doesn't work. But we knew that we had to target certain areas that brought us regular work. And that was the designers, the contractors, the builders, the architects. So, I would go on uh, their pages and like, comment, follow, you know, make more comments, message them. You never, if you need somebody to do cabinetry, come to us. It was more of, wow, I really love what you're doing. You know, your quality of work is beautiful. Your design is beautiful. I love what you did in this room. Very specific to what they were posting. And that always raises an eyebrow, you know, so they'll click on your on your page, see what you do. And and we kind of let ourselves uh, or our work sell uh, sell ourselves to those people. And we quickly realized that people were buying us more than they were buying our cabinetry. They were buying the ability for Deb to say, uh, you know, I, she's got a great design eye. So for her to say, you know, I think this would work or that would work. And where I could come in and say, okay, I see you have a heating vent here. Um, you might want to move this over six inches or, or come out a little bit, or this may be an issue. And it may be something that they didn't think of, even if they were a designer for, you know, for 10 years. So they appreciated that. And from that, we really were getting more and more and more work. Um, but it was really targeted to answer your question more directly. Um, it was just targeting the people and knowing the people that you wanted to work for, who could bring you work. It's great to have a million followers, but if you've got a million creators and, and other you know, woodworkers that are following you, they're not bringing you work. So 
you know, what is the value in your effort there online? We knew who we wanted to go after. We went after them. We had a clear and concise understanding of how to go after them. And um, that was just with research and working with people that knew what they were doing. So a lot of your marketing efforts and a lot of your putting your name out there is strictly through social media, through Instagram and and that, or is it through yeah. search or email lists or... Yeah, so we, we, we did, did a lot it, of, yeah. we put a lot into the back end for SEO, but we, we kind of let that work on its own and we put most of our effort into social media. So surprisingly enough, yeah, social media has been a huge influx for, of our work. And again, we, we, we realized, okay, well, what makes us unique? We're, you know, we're at an older age, we're 53, we're doing this together and Deb isn't just a helper. She doesn't hand me hammers and she doesn't, you know, um, you know, make something pretty or take a picture. As a matter of fact, she hates taking the pictures in the videos. You know, I'm the one that does most of the, the videos. So she's really in there doing all the finishing work, doing, you know, some of the cutting, helping with the assembly and that's unique. There's, there's not a lot of husband and wife teams where the wife is that involved. So that made us unique. And then it's our ability to be personable. You know, we, we love working with people. We love sharing our knowledge and experience. And we found that, you know, people wanted that. So that's what we put out there. And we tried to be ourselves as much as we could. You both are very much professionally and personally a couple where you're working together all the time and and this is a business that you've built together and we don't have to get into how you're dealing with the split between professional and personal life because that's a personal thing but I do want to talk about how you're dealing with being personal and professionally involved and also working with your team. Yes. How are you communicating what needs to be done in a cohesive way when there's two of you? And I'm sure you have to admit that sometimes you're both thinking different things. So how are you communicating when you're working with your team, but being on the same page at the same time? I, I think that definitely starts in our relationship, you know, at home. We're not different in the shop than when we are in our home. Yes, definitely. Uh, professionally, our communication is a little different, but in the shop, there are times where, you know, it's not fun. You know, there, there's, there's an argument because, you know, I've delayed something that I really didn't have to, or she didn't hear what, what I was talking about when I was talking about this particular, you know, finish that, you know, that I wanted. But in that there's a respect that follows through at our home and in the shop. So to be honest with you, we don't separate that professionally. We are who we are at home and, and in the shop. And that has really enabled us to work together every day and love it. I'm not different with Deb in the shop than I am in, in our home. I respect her. You can call it professionally or you can call it personally, but I respect her 100%. What's funny is we do have certain uh, looks and <laughs> keywords that we use. If we are in a, a client's house in an install <laughs> and things get heated, you know, because listen, we're a married we couple disagree. and we do have uh, certain ways to communicate with each other with, okay, you're upset, I'm upset, but we need to be 
on a professional level here. We're, we're in a, a client's home or we're in front of our, our team. And the biggest thing is communication. I mean, in any relationship, obviously, but it's so important to communicate anytime. I, you know, yeah. when we're in the shop, when we're in our home, but uh, especially in the shop when we have creative differences sometimes, you know, and there are certain things that Jay will always have the lead on. He's the builder, you know, the main builder and stuff. So I trust his judgment on something. And sometimes he'll bend and say, okay, you know what, let's try that way. I didn't think of that way. And, you know, we always come to that solution together. We always come to that build together in the end where we're proud that we did it together. You know, it's truly something we do together. And we've just, we've always had so much fun. We've always had a good time in whatever we do. So it's just, it's just a bonus. It's a perk, you know, just being married and being able to do this job together. It's awesome. During your time together and also your time building this business, I'm sure you've learned just some key takeaways that you could give to somebody who, who wanted to join this industry and start building furniture professionally. And also for people who like you have been doing it for a while, but might feel stuck and might feel like they want to be doing things differently or changing up how they're running their business. So what are some takeaways that both of you have had throughout your career that you could share? In the beginning, it was very hard. When you first start, it's hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of learning. And if you're doing it yourself, sometimes I say to Jay, I don't know how people do this by themselves. I don't know how a woodworker works alone, but it's, you need help. You know, you need an assistant, you always need an assistant, but it's patience without a doubt. It's wanting it. It's the reward being greater than the pain because the first year, you know, even now, you know, everybody jokes, Instagram is a lie. You know, you see all these great things and stuff. You don't see the behind the scenes that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of late nights. It's a lot of learning how to navigate the schedule, the timing of everything. The That was the biggest thing for us, the timing. We thought, you know, we could just build this in two days and nobody does that. <laughs> nobody builds a built-in in two days, you know, but we would stay up all night sometimes building and those like created frustrations and stuff. So it's definitely balance, definitely balancing your life with this job and learning the timing of everything and, and just being patient and enjoying what you do. Because at the end of the day, we love building, but when it gets to the point where we've put so much pressure on ourselves to meet this specific deadline and we haven't slept in three days, it's no longer fun. It's like, what are we doing? This is not fun, you know, but I can tell you like the takeaway, we've been doing it for years and every year at the end of the year, we assess and we ponder about, you know, what the mistakes we made this year and what we want to do better next year. And every year so far has been better than the last year, you know, and it's a tough industry. It's not, it's not easy, but I also feel that it's not so much a competitive industry. I have found just looking at people's posts and stuff. It's encouraging. People Mm. are building each other up and helping each other. There is so much work to go around, 
you know, as busy as we are, we know there are so many woodworkers so busy and getting a lot of work. It's not competitive in that way. It's like everybody wants to kind of help each other out. And and that's a great thing. It's a great community. It's challenging yourself. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, when we started out, you know, we had certain expectations and we quickly learned, okay, there's an adjustment to working together. There's an adjustment to just doing custom cabinetry. And we've, we had to quickly learn what we wanted more. Um, I think if you're going to start out in this business or really in any business, you have to ask yourself, what do I want more? Everybody, I think, you know, most people want to start a business, right? But you have to ask yourself, what do you want more? Well, do I want more sleep? Do I want, you know, great pay? Do I want, you know, weekends off? If you want that more, starting a business on your own, you know, don't do it. You know what I mean? It's it's just, it's not going to happen for a couple of years. You know, I mean, we're we're well into it. And there are times that, you know, we will work through the night, you know, and it, but um, do we enjoy those times? No, but we know we want more. We want, we have certain expectations that we put on ourselves and we know where we want this business. First, identifying what do I want? You know, am I willing to, uh, to put in the work and put in effort regardless of what anyone else says? Because we had a lot of people, you know, that would tell us, you don't understand, you know, it's a lot of work and coming out of finance and going into this, even though I had been doing it, you know, all my life, um, I had to decide, okay, there's going to be a lot of effort to be able to run my house and feed my kids and, and do things that, that I wanted to do. And, and I'll be honest with you, it was a lot of work, but I knew that's what I wanted. So it wasn't exhausting. It wasn't tiresome. You know, was I tired? Yeah, but my mind was always focused on what I wanted. And then when Deb came into, you know, into the business, that was a reward for my hard work, I felt. You know, like, wow, I get to do this with the person that I love. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, and I appreciate you sharing all the rest of the advice and knowledge that you've shared throughout this episode. So thank you for your time and wishing you nothing but success moving forward in your business. Well, thank you, Ethan. We really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at The Build With Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.